Hey everyone, welcome to the Zevo Talks podcast. Today we are talking to Sarah Keen, well-being consultant at Zevo Health, and we're talking about motivation. We're specifically looking at the stages of change model, how we can really build that motivation through different stages. We're going to talk about that really difficult on-ramp period, those first few weeks, and some of the strategies you can implement to make that a lot easier. Sarah discussed great pieces around the social connection aspect of it and how to build social connection so that we can really help build motivation inside yourself and within a group. And then we finish with some great practical tips around journaling and the power of self-reflection so that we can impose great habitual change over time. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode. I really think you're going to get some great takeaways. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Zevo Talks. So around this time every year, a lot of good intentions and resolutions begin to fall by the wayside. In this episode, we're going to discuss some strategies that can help maintain focus and motivation when momentum begins to falter. So to join me on this episode, we have well-being consultant Sarah Keen on the call. When it comes to building and keeping motivation, Sarah, where is the best place for people to start? Well, uh, really, this very much depends on the individual themselves and also can be determined hugely by the behavior in question as well. And so to help us kind of hone in on what specific strategies or tactics may be most beneficial, there's a, a framework used called the mm. trans-theoretical model of change, or simply put, the stages of change. So depending on where a person is in this kind of stages of change framework, um, we can discuss today what tactics or tips would be most useful and mm-hmm. um, there is five kind of overarching um phases i can just give you briefly it's like pre-contemplation where you're not even thinking about change so that doesn't really apply here today uh contemplation is where yes you've been thinking about change but not acting on it so strategies that would help in that phase to build momentum we'll look at uh preparation you're already starting to kind of get your ducks in a row but haven't mm. really taken the leap. And then action is that preliminary kind of like first six months of starting to make changes. So you're, you're beginning to build momentum and we'll hone in later on where, as you said, people begin to falter, especially this mm-hmm. one year and what tactics can be helpful there. And then the last one is maintenance mode. So we'll park, we'll park pre-contemplation and maintenance for today and kind of really hone in on these three center stages. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I'm sure a lot of people listening today can probably attest to falling and faltering at one of those stages more than others. Do you think people, depending on their personality or what their goal is, you know, usually hit one of them and that's their kind of stopping point each time? Or do you think it very much depends on on what the goal is? Are some people more... I guess, adjusted to faltering at specific ones versus, you know, it can be a completely random depending on the goal. Yeah, like back again, I think it depends on the behavior of the individual. Uh, but you're raising a really good point there. And that's the fluidity of it. Like, mm. you know, some people can really just 
catapult from uh, pre-contemplation into action. And we'll look at some of kind of the, the, the hurdles that they may encounter um, when they don't lay that kind of more solid framework or foundation. And then other people will often see it's cyclical. You know, you can go, <coughs> you can go from maintenance mode um, and then relapse and be back kind of pressing mm-hmm. with failure. And also like, as we've seen over the last two years, life happens and mm-hmm. uncertainty and these kind of crazy things that are unexpected can come in our way. And so, yeah, it's, it's I wouldn't say there's any fixed things, but, within each stage, there's definitely commonalities that people would encounter and that we'd see sort of trends in them. This is why there's useful strategies to overcome that that we're going mm-hmm. for. Okay, brilliant. So come here, goal setting. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. You know, I know New Year's comes around, a lot of people set goals. These are often fall to the wayside. You know, tell me how important is goal setting? Is it all it's cracked up to be? Like, how important is it to have a goal and vision? And and does it matter? Can we just not go through the year without having these kind of big goals and work towards these things? Or it is important to have those specific goals that we've laid out? Yeah. So, of course, like, um, it's also context dependent again. So goal setting generally would typically come in this preparation phase, right? Mm. Where you're, as I said, getting the ducks in a row. And there is a lot to be said in terms of having a clear, a clear kind of direction that you want to go. And that's often what's called an outcome goal. Uh, sometimes you'll hear it in behavior change science referred to as your kind of compelling reason why. And the more compelling and motivational you can make that core reason or the clearer that core reason can be, um, the more it can kind of help you be more resourced and have the energy and will. To, to make the changes in, the, in those early phases when it might require more effort. So, so having that kind of outcome goal in, in mind, as I said, can, can give you those resources, but then we want to build on that and kind of get more strategic. And this is where the SMART goal principles come into play, mm-hmm. um, which it's in many listeners will be familiar with. Um, and these apply across the board, across every behavior, not just health-related behaviors, but in business that um, we translate that abstract outcome goal, which could be something like feel healthier, feel more energized, you know, feel more confident, something that's abstract. And how do we solidify that into like, what does it look like when you are feeling those things? What are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. So we can kind of get the clarity around the action. That's when we start to build that roadmap there. I think earlier we were talking today uh, about this concept of on-ramping mm-hmm. and that kind of weaves in here. When we have that kind of clearer map uh, um, and steadily building our actions, um, it avoids that pitfall that many people kind of go, go into where they catapult from naught to 90, where they just shoot for the ideal. So we were talking earlier about on-ramping and how that can be... Um, yeah, it's another term for when we go from not to 90 and don't have those mm. strategic steps in place. Um, I think you were using the example of, was it Michael Fox? Uh, yeah, there's a few pieces here. Like for the on-ramp period for me is something I see with a lot of people and a faltering stage. You know, it's it, for me the most difficult or definitely the most visible in terms of people faltering because, again, they pick that really difficult goal and they feel like they need to go 
from where they're at to that goal almost immediately, you know, but it, it doesn't really make sense. If you can imagine, I'm sure a lot of you guys are, are, are in the business setting all the time and new hires come in. You'd never expect a new hire to come in on day one of training just to give them everything you know in your brain about the company, about the skills, about the training, everything, and expect them day two to be at that level. There's a ramp up period, and that's not even a smart way to do it. They're not going to absorb anything. You need to focus on one or two core pieces and let them ramp up. And I see that happen all the time. If we can translate that maybe even to a sports setting, someone, a sports hero, say Michael Phelps or something like that. If you want to get into swimming, you'd never try to emulate his training program straight from day one and get in the pool for eight, nine hours. That would be a, a terrible idea. You'd want to ramp yourself up slowly and get your membership, uh, focus on techniques about breathing, things like that. Um, so I think if you can focus on that on-ramp period, breaking it down into smaller pieces and be okay with not getting there straight away. It's really important. And again, I think you really hit on something there in terms of focusing on what that terminology is around the goal, because I think a lot of these tasks are so jumbled up. You know, if you think about it, even from a work setting, you know, if your task is to build this whole program around excel and things like that you, you can end up procrastinating so much across your day because it's too jumbled up in your head you really need specific goals like how many times have you had a sticky note or wrote it in your phone to clean the house you know it's too general you need to say okay at lunchtime tomorrow i'm going to clean the fridge out you know when we can unjumble these tasks it makes it a lot easier the worst ones from a health perspective is you know come New Year's or whenever you say, I want to get healthier, you know, and that's, that's so difficult to put into motion. You know, it's too jumbled up of a goal. You just sit in the morning and go, okay, how do I get healthier? But if you can focus on these micro small things and say, okay, I'm going to get into bed at 10 o'clock, seven days a week this week, you know, that's it. And then from there, you can add another layer on top of that. I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm sure a lot of you've heard before, Sir David Brailsford, probably the most successful coach of the, the sporting era of the last 30 years. He coined the term marginal gains for sporting and where they, after they, they get some of the basics in place, they focus on really small things that seemingly wouldn't be important. So you can imagine it maybe from a business perspective, you say you want to build stronger relationships across your team. Your marginal gain for one week might be to smile at everyone for for a week, you know, and and that might not make a difference whatsoever. But after a couple of weeks of smiling at everyone, you might add an extra thing. You might note everyone's name in the company or in your your smaller group, so you just know everyone's name. Then you might add a little bit of layer. Your next progression might be remember one seemingly insignificant fact about them. You know, you might be say, "Oh, hi, Deirdre. You know, how how'd your daughter's dentist appointment went went last week? You were worried about it." Then you're slowly just building those progressive layers on, which seemingly weren't important, but yeah. marginal gains. That idea, if you can just build those small insignificant things over time, it ends up being a huge result. So I start to apply that across to health. And if you think of, okay, look, I don't want to change the world this week in terms of my goals, but maybe I'm going to say, I'm going to only have dark chocolate after dinner, 
you know, maybe you're a, you're a sweet fiend in the evening. I'm switching it to dark chocolate for a week. Maybe that's that's your progression. Perfect. The, the train's moving. The momentum's going. The week after, you might decide, okay, let's switch it to two squares of dark chocolate. And then over time, these insignificant little marginal pieces, they build and build and build. And that becomes, you know, the bigger piece in the long term. So that for me is probably a roundabout saying, like, I think that on-ramp piece, you need to look at it for a lot of people. If you are faltering with these goals, look at that on-ramp piece, break it down, see where you can build in those marginal pieces. And for me, that helps a lot of people. What do you reckon, Sarah? Yeah, all those daily habits, like the small, seemingly inconsequential things, 100%. And a a little technique that can help people kind of identify what those changes might be, whether it's in business and and building relationships or in health behaviors or wherever, um, is this technique called setting a, a minimal, reasonable and an ideal goal. So mm. at the start of the week, something that's minimal is that thing that's relatively effortless. So you use the example of maybe smiling at your colleagues or sending a ping or checking in with people. So that's relatively effortless, really easy and something that can build momentum quickly. A more reasonable goal might be reaching out to a colleague for a coffee or it might be putting on your runners and going for a 15 minute walk before you sit at your computer. And um, so it might be just that little bit further of a stretch. And then the, the ideal goal, and this is what the whole point that, that you're saying, we often shoot for goals, like expect that we should be at the top of mm-hmm. the culture of, of every, everyone wanting everything yesterday. Um, so the, the ideal goal then can be what you know your, your dream outcome would be. So what happens is that people tend to shoot for that ideal. And then at the two, three week mark, as you were saying, that's when the effort starts to outweigh perhaps the return and things mm-hmm. start to fall. Um, whereas when we reframe it, just a simple reframe in terms of every time you hit reasonable or ideal is actually a bonus day. So you've just 100% committed to the minimal, let that build momentum. And just something that simple in, in changing how you're thinking about it um, can make the world of difference to your capacity to maintain it. So I don't know that what were the lyrics of that song it's not what you do it's the way that you do it mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, you're meant to be singing that to me now Sarah. <laughs> come on show to the viewers but, listeners. You know, but, but it's so true when we when we approach a new goal or something and something that's especially meaningful to us and we'll talk about values-based goals now in a sec um you know we, we can kind of show up and want to give 100 percent and be pure passionate about it but when that effort becomes too much and we don't get that return that's where we often see, um, yeah, the the kind of abandonment and, and the regression. Here at Sivo Health, we have designed a mental health champion training program to support employees' mental health both inside and outside the workplace. Mental health is now recognised as a significant contribution to long-term absenteeism. Our mental health training programs are designed to provide individuals with the tools to recognize mental health in the workplace and support those in crisis. We are wholeheartedly committed to improving an organization's mental health and well-being. And as such, we understand the key processes required for this change to come to fruition. Our team of well-being specialists provide attendees with the necessary tools needed to engage in open conversations about mental health in the workplace. 
Our mental health champion training can be provided across all levels of an organisation with the view that any individual feels equipped to support their peers or colleagues in mental health distress or crisis. Contact us today to inquire about mental health champion training for your organisation, www.zivohealth.com. Here at Zivo Health, we have designed the Mental Health Champion Training Programme to support employees' mental health, both inside and outside the workplace. Mental health is now recognised as a significant contribution to long-term absenteeism. Our mental health training programmes are designed to provide individuals with the tools to recognise mental health in the workplace and support those in crisis. We are wholeheartedly committed to improving an organization's mental health and well-being, and as such, we understand the key processes required for this change to come to fruition. Our team of well-being specialists provides attendees with the necessary tools needed to engage in open conversations about mental health in the workplace. Our mental health champion training can be provided across all levels of an organisation with the view that any individual feels equipped to support their peers or colleagues in mental health distress or crisis. Contact us today to inquire about mental health champion training for your organisation. www.zivohealth.com But speaking about values-based goals, this is something that really kind of speaks to that contemplation phase. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about this and the, the limitations of it as well as the strengths of it. Um, do you want to talk a, a little bit, JP, about like your experience of working with clients and uh, maybe the value of, of honing in on that core why and, and even how do you go about it? Yeah, I think this is a really important thing and it really settles into that I guess the understanding of what motivation is, you know, I think when people wake up in the morning, you know, they, they'll often decide to themselves, am I motivated or am I not motivated? You know, uh, do I have the energy, that pep, that passion to, to do those things that I've set out to do? And people often contemplate how they can capture that motivation and, and turn it on or you know when they need it i think for the reality of most people is there's no switch you know we can't just suddenly turn on motivation uh like it's we can't turn on passion we can't turn on pep like and that's not really what even motivation is if you think about it you know if you break down motivation we're we're trying to provide a motive uh, that, that's the, in the simplest term why are you doing what you're doing how is it going to help you where is it going to take you so you need to really clarify that i think in your mind and then when you need that motivation in the morning when you've got your running shoes ready at the side of your bed or even if you haven't got to that stage and you're trying to actually make a decision on what you want that motivation to turn into you don't need to look externally. You don't need to open up Instagram and look at your favorite content creators to, to draw that inspiration. You, you, because you've created that motive in your head, it's, it's internal. You give the motivation to yourself. You're not drawing motivation from other people. And I think that's a really important one to really reframe that understanding of what is 
motivation and in that trying to create that bigger why and, and really get that framework in your head and then from there we can dilute it down into smaller tasks each month you know you might say okay my bigger why is because you know I want to be, I want to really look after my health. I've got uh, issues with cardiovascular disease. I want things to get better for me so I can be a better, more practical human for my family or for my children. But that's a big why. And then for a month, you might break that down a little bit further into a smaller why. That might be, okay, I want to be able to play pain-free in this movement with my child this month. You know, I want to be able to have a kick around um, something like that. And then when we're drawing upon that each month, that's going to be a much more powerful tool as opposed to, I want to be in good shape for my summer holidays. Cause that's going to last a little bit, a couple months maybe. And that's not to say it's not a powerful motivator for some people, but it's fickle, you know, when yeah. your holidays gets canceled, when it comes to September and it, your holidays are gone. What do you do between September and February? You know, you, you're, you, you've got no internal motivator there. It's, it's just that external things dissipated and then you're in this negative cycle. So I think for me, that's a really important piece looking into that deeper why. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of ties into what we talked about in that preparation phase, that outcome goal and getting the, the kind of clarity around what that might be has its bedrock in in knowing what your values are and this is where we were we were chatting about this earlier how for a lot of people that's not even something they have the time or headspace to consider a lot of individuals are so caught up in um just the challenges and tasks of daily living that how often do we really get a, a, an opportunity to kind of take a step back and really think about a what do we value? You know, where are we finding the most reward and meaning and enjoyment in our lives? And B is what we're actually doing, yielding that value. You know what I mean? Are we mm-hmm. acting in a way that's in alignment with that? Or, you know, we can be very, we can be very mindful about resources such as money, but sometimes not so aware when it comes to energy and uh, can be pumping time and energy, our most valuable commodities really into pursuits and activities that maybe aren't really still giving us that return especially in terms of meaning satisfaction and value so a great a great place to begin to kind of get that clarity to shape that compelling why um would be just having a bit of introspection so practices such as journaling can be really helpful to kind of shed light on on where you're finding joy and meaning and satisfaction um Mm. Yeah, like the journaling piece for me is huge because I think when we fail, not if we fail, when we fail on a daily, weekly, monthly cadence, I suppose, how do we review that? And I think a lot of people don't, you know, they'll say, oh, I've completely fell off this week, my exercise regime. Um, I was too busy, you know, I had no time or um, oh, my diet absolutely fell off this week. You know, I was going out with the family, went to a restaurant this night, and, you know, I was meeting some friends this night, completely fell off. But I think if you can get into the habit of a little bit of journaling, that's really going to help hone your tools 
of goal setting going forward and really try to review a little bit deeper. Why did I succeed this week? Why did I not succeed this week? Do I need to do anything differently? Is there something in place, a barrier that's causing me this constant disruption? And is that barrier worded, you know, in terms of modifying it? Maybe I think the permission piece is a huge piece as well that often comes up and people don't really realize as a big barrier. Have I given myself the permission to make this well-being change or, or health change? You know, and if you haven't, then that's a that's that's nothing's going to change. And it doesn't even have to be permission that you've given yourself. It could be the permission of loved ones around you. Has your partner given you permission? You know, ha- have your friends group. If you're all your friends group are are interested in in a certain lifestyle, and you start to slowly move your lifestyle, your bubble away, are is your friends going to give you that permission, or are they going to make claims make mentions are they going to make things a tiny bit difficult in an indirect way um, is there anything that you need to do there any decisions that need to be made or any conversations that need to be made because without that permission piece both by yourself or if you need it from other people then any of these changes are are, are going to be extremely difficult you know so Again, just to, to reiterate, bring in that journaling piece, that self-reflection piece, and try to analyze why things are working so you can review them and add on top or why they're not working and then go back to your steps and start to reverse backwards and see where you can make the changes and going forward again. That's a beautiful point. So much of what you're saying is so on point and instantly there's so many things popping into my head to add to it. There's about three core things and one that comes straight to mind is the journaling practice that might be a really easy entry point for some people if they're not used to journaling and don't really like writing is the three good things practice and you may have heard of it it's just when you reflect on your day to highlight just two or three well three 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 is the target three three things that were enjoyable or that brought you satisfaction or even qualities in yourself that that you kind of noticed or even allowing your attention to go that direction. And there's extensive research on on quite an immediate return in terms of health benefits on that practice, even after two weeks. So that could be a way for some individuals to begin to get clarity around bodies when they don't usually think in that way. Um, Another thing is having conversations with friends. So journaling may not just, some people might not have any interest in it, having conversations with friends, asking questions, like if you have if you have a, a colleague or someone, or even if it's a, a case of reaching out for support, like, you know, not all therapy has to be problem-oriented. Um, and we're seeing the rise of things like life coaching and health coaching. And, you know, so having that container can also be invaluable in that early phase. You know, it's a real investment that can pay off. And then the third thing I wanted to say on, on what you said, because it was so rich, uh, all those points you brought up, was around conflict values. So mm. sometimes our bodies run in opposing directions. So you mentioned about having friends, for example, who are engaged in lifestyle behaviors that aren't favorable or preferable for the direction you want to go. But you love them and you love the crack, perhaps. This is a big uh, conflict that we can see arising when our culture is so oriented, say, around 
alcohol consumption over the last couple of decades, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely observe personally a, a shift happening there in a very helpful direction. But nonetheless, it's there, you know, there can be this sort of sacrifice in the pursuit of health that we can lose out on that social connection and fun. And they can be two core values for people and they seem to collide in essence and it can often derail people so what we're looking at is you know awareness is key the second you see you've got a conflict of values it's like well enter kind of dialogue with it like negotiate it's like okay well how can we align these you know how how can you still move in the direction with the health behavior and maybe explore new ways to have that social connection and satisfaction and so that's another yeah big big peace for individuals and helping them move from that contemplation the leveraging the pros and cons and um, that can be useful to get into preparation and action phase really great input there sarah because yeah like i'm just mostly talking about it from an experiential point of view so it's really nice to get that framework around it and you, you bring up the point around social connections and how that i guess when a group's lifestyle doesn't really match with yours but what about the importance of social connection and and matching up human beings that actually have the same goals you you like if you're what's the importance of something like a team or a buddy or someone that's going through these experiences how does that help you reach your goal how does that help you motivate you and how can you potentially be the support for somebody else going through this is there any tips you have that you can help you know a buddy or someone along because who doesn't want to be a little bit healthier i'm sure there's everyone listening here has someone on their phone that they could probably text now and organize some activity to help that other person along and if everyone did that all the time i think we'd be doing a lot better no jp i think you're like 100 percent on point in regard to the the power of having that accountability and it really comes into play comes to the fore in that action phase when we're in that first few weeks particularly of new behavior and that's when all the kind of obstacles start to emerge and the challenges and the triggers and the unforeseen elements. And that's when, you know, if we can put in place as many strategies as possible to support us, um, whether it's in the form of a friend that we can reach out, as you said, you know, let's coordinate a, a bit of a group, a group walk or a hike or, or even just, yeah, having that kind of partner for consistency or if it's reaching out for healthcare professional support or um, a fitness trainer for example a fitness professional um, but having someone in those early days when when you're more vulnerable let's say to 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 drop in the ball and perhaps um yeah like regressing back to, to mm-hmm. old habits uh, in habit formation theory there's a huge thing as well around this phase of setting like context dependent triggers like at a certain time of the day or you know in a certain situation or in certain environments always associating um that with the new behavior so this particularly would apply to things that are kind of related to nutrition and exercise and sleep like you mentioned earlier the sleep schedule Mm -hmm. but if we have a time uh specific uh, trigger it can help reinforce what's called automaticity. Mm. Am I saying that correctly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but it's when the when the new behavior that we're we're trying to uh, ingrain eventually becomes automatic. Um, I've been using the example of um, Wim Hof. Have you ever tried his stuff? Uh, I have, I have indeed. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's transformative. I know I don't, I don't practice it all the time, but anytime I do, I always think, goodness, I, I should yeah. be uh, encouraging myself to do this a little bit more. Maybe it's something I need to put in this framework myself and start introducing <laughs> it. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's powerful stuff. My sister got me his course last year and I started doing the cold showers every morning. Mm-hmm. And after every shower, just turn it cold. And I'd say it was about three and a half months in and it, it became just effortless. I just noticed mm-hmm. one day my, I had just turned the tap without even thinking about it. And that was just the point. I was like, okay, it's automatic. Now it took me a good while to get there. But mm-hmm. what they say is certain behaviors, particularly if they require more effort or a bit more difficult, um, that, that lead-in phase can take a while. But having that kind of committed cue can really be supportive. Yeah, and another thing I think around there's two kind of elements is the contingency planning, having your plan B in place. Um, if 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 things go awry, having that kind of backup plan. Um, and then lastly is a reward system as well. Um, I think this is something that people can tend to forget in that action phase is like how mm-hmm. do you uh, put rewards in place that can help reinforce or celebrate, like in essence, celebrate mm-hmm. your, your wins. I think it can really serve to build momentum. Sarah, I think that's a really good point that you made in regards to that social connection and where to put that in terms of your framework and, and what's the period. Because for me, that was never too clear. Uh, but now it makes so much sense. You know, an object in motion stays in motion. You know, people that are on that path you know, they're already moving and it becomes quite easy for them, as you were saying about the Wim Hof method. But then I'm a keen cyclist myself. And, and during the winter, a lot of people absolutely fall off. They, they, their training goes, goes down and that can be OK, you know, taking a little bit of a break. And it's often come the January period, February period. Some people start to ramp up their training again. And that is really the period I see that people really need that that little bit of social connection, that little push from their friends. And it really helps get that thing moving. Uh, So when I often think about it, motivation and things like this is it's like a big, heavy train, you know, and it's really hard to kind of push it out of the station. There's needs so much force to get it moving. But once it's moving, as you said, it's, it's not too much energy to actually keep it in motion now. And the same can be said, you know, around sports and around physical health goals, things like that. So as you say, that social connection piece, if we can put it at that period when the train is absolutely stuck and get a few extra hands to help pushing it along, that's going to be so beneficial. So I guess the takeaway would be if you know people that are trying to get that train moving out of the station, why not reach out? You know, why not ask or and the same thing, if you have a goal that you're stagnant on, you've made it clear what it is, you've made it clear your why, but you just haven't trouble on that on-ramp period, why not try to add in that social connection piece, joining a group, asking a friend, having even a, 
a challenge, an easy challenge, you know, something like that, just to help get some momentum into your goal. Do, do some of those tasks make sense, Sarah, or where Absolutely. am I? And I think we're seeing more of that as well over the last two years. And um, well, certainly I, I live in the country in a small town and we're seeing an emergence of a lot more walking clubs and people mm. getting more creative when, you know, when amenities weren't as available and limited access um, yeah, people started creating their own kind of outlets. Uh, I know our local park, for example, Emo National Park, we're spoiled rotten. We've got this beautiful park and uh, it has amazing trees there, actually. Uh, very much well, well worth a visit. Um, but the place is just full and you see outdoor yoga and we're seeing just mm. so many lovely uh, groups emerging. And you'd be surprised probably what's in your locality once you start to kind of explore um yeah I, I think it's exciting times and mm -hmm. if there is nothing you know you can join meet up and maybe start something as well 100 i think that's a really nice place to finish with yeah. i think we it was really helpful for me personally to understand a little bit about that framework and feel like it's okay to move both forward through it and backwards through it depending on what i need and i think a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit with that and I think you hit on some really practical tips that is going to help people go from that pre-contemplation stage all the way through. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me today. And uh, yeah, hopefully we, uh, we, we'll, we'll catch up again soon on another topic and give, uh, give the listeners something, to, something to, to put into their lives. It was lovely to be here with you today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay.